In addition to taking care of one another inside the church, what if we developed a lifestyle taking care of the most needy outside the walls of the church? How would that change the community and our city? Bob Moffitt, president and founder of Harvest Foundation in Phoenix, along with Pastor Julian Gibb, talk with pastors and leaders about how sacrificial love by those in the church to those in need outside the church has helped people see and embrace Jesus Christ. It's that demonstration of Jesus' greatest commandment that we'll hear more about today on The Kingdom and Its Stories. Well, good afternoon to all of you. 5.30 p.m., no doubt you're driving in your car or sitting at home, wherever you are, a warm welcome to you. My name is Julian Gibb. I serve at the Harvest Foundation, and today we're blessed to have a new friend of mine named Wendy. So, Wendy, welcome to The Kingdom and Its Stories. Thank you for having me. So, Wendy, I'm just going to launch straight in. So, uh, my wife, she uh, met you um, a few weeks ago and said, you have to talk to this lady. So, so here we are. So, Wendy, tell us, tell us a little bit uh, about yourself, and also it is what you do, the reason that I've called you on the show today. Well, I met your wife through my sister, and we had this great conversation just about society and where we fit in as Christians, and I shared with her that I'm a biker, and I have been for about 15 years. My husband and I have served um, in many different ways through the biker community, but I have also used it as an opportunity to share my faith with my fellow bikers and just to offer them a message of hope and encouragement and just to be a good listener and just to connect with them as much as we can in that way. Wonderful. So, I mean, so, so do you and your husband go on your bikes, you know, and, uh, have a raccoon's tail on the back, you know, and, and, and set <laughs> off, you know, get your motor running, you know, sort of, Steppenwolf blaring and just head across the country. Is that is that what you do? We have been across country a few times and load the bikes down. And we really enjoy just getting that wind therapy. And my passion is to see this country on the bike. Um, you get to absorb all kinds of things when you're out in the wind and hearing things and smelling things. And we've stopped at some great little towns and met awesome people throughout this country. And we just have a passion for having that wind blowing and the music playing and just getting lost in the moment. So, yes, we've been doing that for a long, long time. And we do a lot of different charity events here locally in Phoenix. So that's also one of our passions is being by, as being the bikers. Wonderful. And so as you as you sort of hinted on earlier on, you uh, you reach out to to other bikers, to mm-hmm. people uh, that you perhaps when you're driving through America or here in Phoenix, you come across other bikers. And so you were saying that God has sort of called you to a ministry to minister to to your fellow bikers. Is that correct? It is. I really didn't know that was going to be my calling. I started out on social media posting every morning, um, just a morning blessing, just to reach out to people that were on my friends list. And then I decided to make it public. And what I got was a lot of people responding in a way that made me realize that they were looking for something that comforted them. And then when we went to different events, 
they would come up and approach me and we would start dialogue about it. So it was a way of kind of opening the door and allowing them to understand that I have faith and that I follow God's plan in my life and that I wanted to share with them that they could have the same experience and not be defined by what we looked like, but that outside of how the world sees us, that we're just all looking for the same thing and that we needed to know that we were there for each other. So I, I kind of just started out doing it that way and then it just grew from there. Because you hit on many key points there. You know, one is misconceptions, mm-hmm. you know, sort of, so there's a biker out on the road, you know. Um, was there anything that surprised you about the community that you're in? Um, you know, so so my, my point is, you know, often like people who aren't bikers can have misconceptions, you know. Uh, I mean, it, it's a fall of the human race where people who aren't like us, you know, we, we look at them and like, hmm, you know, I wonder, I wonder, I wonder what's going on there. Is there sort of any misconceptions that a non-biker would have regarding just someone simply on two wheels? Good question. Um... There is a persona in our society and we can't help it, uh, but we need to understand that people have different hobbies, that they're choosing to do different things. And just like in any uh, arena, there's good people and there's some bad people and the media tends to focus on the more outlaw club persona and they get the most attention. So I, what I love about being a biker and getting past that is I have met the most beautiful people, um, who they are on the inside. And I just want to encourage people to listen and try not to judge, but you will find inside that rough package on the outside that there is somebody with the biggest heart and so much compassion, more than you probably realize because we are judged in that way, that when you give us a chance, you will find an amazing friend and someone that you thought probably didn't exist inside that package. Right, and I guess with all of us, you know, we all have our protective armor around us, you know, to to protect us from, life events that have happened or just to just just to sort of uh, protect protect ourselves from uh, what people may think or, or say and so yes. uh, once once you have so you know you clearly you have reached out to to some people and um you have shown them that uh you just want to be friends you know you both love bikes um you know you just want to be friends to them um have you, have you had conversations where those um, walls, those uh, facades, you know, those protective layers, once they've come down, are people quite, do people open up? Do people sort of start sharing with you about the cares and concerns they have? Yeah, so uh, as an example, last week um, we were downtown. Um, I am the president of a group here called the Arizona Rebel Alliance. And we are, um, we're involved in politics. So we were downtown and there was a young man that was dressed 
in a way that had some people concerned. Um, he had some bags, he was dressed in all black, his face was covered. And so someone came up and said, hey, you guys maybe should check this person out. And being one to be very careful not to judge somebody from the way they appear, um, I said, hey, let's just go talk to this young man and find out, you know, what's he doing? And we did. We found out he was actually homeless and was dressed that way to try to stay warm. And he, everything he owned was in those bags. So we had a conversation with him. I, we, we got him some food and water and talked with them. I actually got him connected with his family through Facebook. He hadn't spoken to them in a year and a half. And it was such a beautiful thing to watch this man connect, even though he'd been alone on the streets. Um, well, little did we know that there were several people that were this event watching this go down. And so after we parted ways, we gave him a hug, we got him in touch with a men's shelter, working shelter. And this young girl came up 15 years old and she said, that was the most amazing thing. We were all sitting back scared of this person and you guys just went right in without fear. And we saw um, you guys embrace, we saw you feed him. We saw him on the phone. We saw him weeping while I was talking to his family. And we realized what an impact that made to the people that we didn't even know were watching us. And that young woman said, when I grow up, I want to be just like you. Wow. And I thought, I don't know if it's the biker thing that she originally um, was interested in, but the act of humanity is what is the most important thing, no matter what you wear what you look like that was the biggest thing the biggest impact on her and it just made me feel so good that god put us in that position that day in the midst of all the chaos going on to do his work and that, so that's wow. what i want to say that's what we need to do um just don't look at somebody and and put them in a box to reach out because that's what Jesus did. Amen. Keep going. I'm just going to spoil this interview if I talk. <laughs> keep, keep, keep. <laughs> but uh, we, were, we were talking to um, the chaplain, uh, Chaplain Friesian, and he was a uh, chaplain to the homeless in Phoenix. And he was saying just how one of his, I don't put words into his mouth, but I think uh, you know, there are misconceptions about homeless people, you know, that they are homeless because of X, you know. Uh, and he was saying just like, no, that the, the amount of things that can happen in a person's life um, to have them in, this, in, in that homeless situation and just how uh, charming, you know, and witty and intelligent uh, people he's met on the street are, you know. And so, so again, it, it's a wonderful example that you've just given of not to judge a book by its cover. You know, because uh, there are uh, many people that perhaps are dressed in designer suits who uh, uh, I've, I have found as well are just as much in need of uh, being spoken to as a friend. You know, so so whether you're in a, uh, a leather jacket or you're homeless or you're in a Gucci suit, you know, we are all in need of people just reaching out to us uh, in love. That's so true. Um, what I have found through all the social media is how disconnected we actually are to each other. Um, you know, it's so fake what we see and having those face-to-face -face encounters and conversations 
are so important, which is you know why we like to get out on the bikes, why we like to get out and have these face-to-face -face conversations, because that's the true depth. This is where someone's story really comes out. And so let's make that more of a focus to get away from looking at the screen and actually getting face-to-face -face and having conversations and being there for each other, because we tend to use the social media as an escape and an excuse not to do that. Wonderful. Well, you're listening to The Kingdom and its stories. Uh, we're blessed today again to have Wendy. Wendy is a, a biker who not only travels around this beautiful country just to see the scenery, but also to talk to people, to share about Jesus' love. And so how about you who are listening? How is God calling you to reach out? Perhaps you're uh, not a pastor, perhaps you're not a businessman, perhaps you're not a biker, but whatever you are, you have a call upon your life and you're called to reach out and share God's love to people, not only in word, but in deed. So Wendy, um, how did you start uh, reaching? So, so obviously you and, you and your husband, uh, have you always been into bikes? Well, um, I am actually uh, the daughter of a preacher growing up. My dad was the one that set the example for us. Um, he did ride motorcycles, very adventurous, but the biggest thing he instilled was that we need to love everybody. And so my dad would pick up hitchhikers and pick up all kinds of um, crazy looking people and bring them home, let them stay with us. And, and the, the joke, you know, growing up was we never who was going to be never knew who was going to be at the breakfast table. And our front door was a revolving door. So there was a lot of different characters, but um, we were just showering them with love and acceptance and family. So I think that's where it started. Um, and I realized that it didn't matter. We had famous people come stay with us. You know, like I said, people off the streets. And like you were saying earlier, it doesn't really matter what they look like. The conversation was the most important thing and sharing the love of Christ with them to give them a direction and, and to show them how much they were loved, how much God loves each and every one of us. And so um, I am a mom and my son um, hopefully learned the same things. And when I met this young man last week, my heart just went, you know, skipped a beat thinking, you know, your, your mom must be worried, you know? And so let's get you in touch and, and find out if we can get you reconnected. And I think that's what we need to do. We need to realize that our experiences and the roles that we play, um, we need to embrace them and listen to that little voice inside of us that if we see somebody to just say, hey, that's somebody's daughter, that's somebody's son, and God taught me how to love everybody. I said, Lord, in this world, we become so cynical and bitter and we judge. And I said, give me your love for people in my heart. And he so clearly said to me, I'm driving down the road. He said, I just looked, I started looking at people in their cars. And he said to me, I love him. I love her. And just going down the road and just made me wreck, you know, just to look, look around me. And it was a big eye opener for me because we do have the biker persona, but I said, I'm changed. I'm changed by this because I'm noticing people and some people just want to have a conversation and to just say, Hey, what's your story? And they're, and stuff will just pour out of their heart. 
And then that's God's opportunity to use you to speak to that person and to minister to them. Have you got, uh, or before I come to that, what, I think you've already answered this actually, but what propels you, what motivates you? You know, you're, you're a mom, you know, one minute you're, you're riding bikes, you know, you're, the next minute you're baking cookies with my wife, you know, <laughs> so, yeah. you know, you have this varied lifestyle. Uh, you're a busy mom, as everyone knows, mums are always busy, you know, um, keeping things together. Uh, how do you find the time? How do you find the, the mental energy uh, to, to dig in? Because because people people's lives are messy. People's lives are agonizing as well, and they're quite they can be draining. So how how do you find the energy uh, and the motivation to do this thing? Every morning, I start my day with meditation. Um, I use an an app called Abide. And it gives me 10 to 15 minutes to just be with the Lord and to just let him speak to me and minister to me and to prepare my heart for the day. And um, I really believe in making sure that I, you know, take good care of myself. So I have the energy and things like that. And I, I just feel that every morning I'm fueled up by God's word and prepared to take on whatever situation he puts me in during the day. I guess I have a, a pretty endless supply of energy, but still, I think that preparation every single morning is key because the focus and the dialogue going on with the Lord during the day, you know, he might put someone in front of you or put you in a situation where you can do something and, and share with somebody. So I think that's super important. And I think as Christians, we tend to let other things distract us mm. and get in the way of committing that time. But 10 or 15 minutes, you know, can go by, which seems like a minute during the busy day. So I would encourage listeners to go ahead and do that. Um, if you, if it just takes an app or something like that to get you to dive right into it and guide you through it, I would encourage people to do that. So that's kind of revolutionary. So it's basically stick close to God and he'll empower you. Yes. <laughs> wow, there we Supernatural go. Supernatural strength. <laughs> <laughs> and so I, I, my next question is probably a moot point because you were raised, you had an excellent example of, of your mother and your father, you know, reaching, reaching out to people, whoever they are. Mm -hmm. uh, but how has your ministry you're reaching out to people. Uh, so not your papa, but you. How has that changed you? How's the ministry changed you? The ministry has changed me because I think I've grown. I think that having dialogue and building my relationship with God and believing that Jesus Christ was my savior changed me. I wasn't always this person. I did go through a very rebellious time in my life, but God never failed me. Every time I needed him, he was there. And so he's proven himself to me over and over, no matter what. And so I guess I feel that I need to do what he said to go out into the world and preach the gospel and to minister to people. And, you know, the greatest of these is love. And these are the things that I think about all the time. And that's really my personal experience that I'm trying to share. That's my testimony. 
um, our testimonies are so powerful because it allows us to reveal who we really are. We reveal our struggles. We reveal things that other people can connect with. Um, it's much easier to do that, you know, face to face and then just listen to somebody preach to you to have that dialogue is what really opens the door that allows God to walk through that door and that person's heart opens up. Then at that point, you know, we plant the seed and whether we ever see that person again or not, that seed is planted. And let me just say, God, you know, go with that person and help and reveal yourself to that person so that they may grow and, and learn to know you. And that's what it's really about because we really don't have any power. It's his power. So all we have to do is obey. Amen. Amen. And so would you, would you classify yourself as a, a prodigal daughter? Let's come back to the father. Many times. <laughs> Did you Many hear that, times. parents? Did you hear that, parents? There's hope. Yeah. There's always hope. Oh, yes. My <laughs> son is older now. He's married. <clears throat> and um, we've had conversations about this very thing. But I, like I said, I have no doubt, no matter what the situation is, no matter how estranged you are, God has a plan you have to trust him. It's not in our timing. It's in his timing and that he will bring his children back to him. I Amen. say, get on your knees before God puts you there. So remember oh. that he's in control. He's so powerful and we just have to tap into it. And why wouldn't we? So do you, do you, can you give us any more, um, uh, stories, obviously not names or anything, but just sort of examples of how you've reached out to people and and uh, how, how that has uh, helped them, help them come along their way or even help them come to Jesus Christ. Well, um, I know somebody who was <clears throat> very addicted to drugs and just sharing with them that there's freedom in Christ, that Drugs are a sin and they are chains and Jesus was sent to this earth and died for us. So we don't have to wear those chains that he can free us from that. And that's something that this person never heard before. And I really felt that their heart opened and it was just a matter of time before they realized that the path they were going down was going to lead to death. And they remembered what they were told and in the darkest moment to cry out to God to save them, which is something they probably wouldn't have done before if they had not heard that he was there to save them, to save their life and that he had a plan for them, that he loved them. So there's so many countless people that we need to understand are in a dark place, even though they much, we might not see it, they might not show it, but to never miss the opportunity to do what he asks us to do. Wow. <clears throat> Wonderful. I know we, we haven't, we've got about a minute left, but um, what advice would you give to people listening? You know, they're, they're driving at, you know, at the point in time or whatever, they're just listening to us. And uh, they're thinking, wow, you know, this Wendy seems like a bit of a, a spiritual superhuman. You know, clearly God has given her. And it's, it, it's easy for Wendy to do. She's just got it, you know. 
And so um, what would you say to someone who's listening to say, you know, well, Wendy's called to that, but uh, what can I do? What would you say to them? You know, the Bible's full of many imperfect people that God chose to use. And it doesn't really matter what you think about yourself, that God created you and he wants to use you. And if you just submit yourself to his plan and his purpose, then he will use you. Ask him to. And you will find yourself in situations you never imagined. And you just need to listen and obey. That's my best advice to people. And your life will change. Amen. And so you've heard it today as you're driving. Uh, Wendy, not so much a hell's angel, but more of a God's angel. Thank you. And uh, reaching out in uh, God's love, sharing God's love. And everyone has a call. To do, reach out. Everybody's hurting in some way or form, but you have the answer, and his name is Jesus Christ. So bless you all as you go out, as you seek to be obedient to him. And Wendy, a very big thank you to you today for sharing your story, the prodigal daughter coming back to the father and working in powerful ways. Thank you all, and God bless. Jesus defines discipleship as come and follow me. Next Monday at 5.30 p.m. on Faith Talk 1360, we'll hear another testimonial from a leader demonstrating how they and the people of the church are sacrificially loving the needy and beginning to see real change in their communities. If you have a personal example of how you are being the hands and feet of Jesus with your neighbors, we'd love to hear from you. Enter your story at harvestfoundation.org. That's harvestfoundation.org on the Contact Us tab. You can also subscribe to the podcast on The Kingdom and Its Stories on Apple Podcasts and Spotify.